Rick Stevens, financial advisor with FRS Financial Group, securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. The opinions voiced in this program are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. For more detailed information regarding any of the topics discussed on today's show, please call 719-500-8700. This is Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial. Here's your host, Rick Stevens. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of Money Matters, presented by FRS Financial Group. I am Rick Stevens. I am your host. And remember that this is your show. If you've got some questions you would like to have answered, if you've got topics that you would love to hear us cover on a future episode of Money Matters, please feel free to give me a call, 719-500-8700. You can also go to our website, frsfinancialgroup.com. If you go there, you can take a look at that uh, contact tab on the top right corner, Click on that. You can send us a question. You can send us that message, that topic you would love to hear about on a future show, because we would love to hear from you. Well, folks, this week on Money Matters, we are wrapping up 2022. We are in studio with Andrew Rogers. And uh, Andrew, 2022 has been kind of interesting in the uh, financial Just world. Just a little bit. A little, couple of things to talk about, there, for sure. There, there may be some things. We, we've got an hour, right? That, yeah. That's, that's what we've got. Uh, so this this might be multi-parts on uh, uh, on this. Maybe we'll get a little uh, year in review this week and next week. Re-review and, and maybe a little outlook for, for 2023 okay. coming yeah. up on that. Yeah. Um, this is not a victory week, though, for the Honolulu Blue. That, no, that, yeah, that didn't, no. didn't go out well. But how, how was your fantasy team, though? Are, are you doing all right doing in the well. fantasy football I'm in the, I'm in the, uh, the championship round for both leagues. So oh, Very so nice. Very nice. You know, you would, you would think that, that a guy who was a number one seed, which mm-hmm. I know that you, you were in yeah. at least one of your leagues, uh, would probably advance to a championship round. And, you know, this week's guest that was supposed to be here um, you know, kind of – Tells us he came down with a cold uh, and, and had that, you know, little voice issue for all the different things going on right now, uh, you know, in uh, in the uh, Colorado Springs area. I'm I don't know. I, I'm going to have to ask him when he joins us next week instead, if if it really was the cold or if he just didn't want to come face the fact that as the number one seed, he did not make it to the title game in our fantasy football league. True. I'm, you know, I'm just throwing, just throwing that out there. You know, not, not that you know, I did a, a, a great job this season because I didn't. I'll end up with, uh, I think, the number three or number four overall pick uh, in the league. But it's a rebuilding year in, in my world. Um, virtually everybody I had that should have been any good was named Russell Wilson, and well, we all know how that went this year. Yeah. So some, some minor issues in there. Well, folks, if, as we are going to take a look at uh, this past year in our financial markets as, as we're going to take a look back at the the year that was uh, if you will here this year we got to see some some things that we've rarely seen before Andrew there there were some things this year that don't happen well almost ever quite quite frankly yeah 
you know, one of the one of the pieces here, and, and you know, if you follow the S and P 500 or you follow the Dow Jones, you know we've had a a bear market. In fact, this year in June is when the S and P actually entered what what you would consider a bear market. That's when we were down more than 20 percent from the the previous highs, and, and even with a with a really nice August this past year. The S&P did not dig itself out. Um, in fact, we are still down right here as we're in those closing days of, uh, of 2022. Um, historically speaking, though, there, there are some potential positives out there. If you, if you just take a look back at historically what has happened, especially in a down year, and what oftentimes happens those 12 months following that, that down year, um, in fact, historically speaking, and again, we can take a look back at history to learn from it. doesn't necessarily mean it will exactly repeat what has gone on. But historically speaking, within 12 months coming out of that bear market, the S&P has actually been back up, on average, more than 20% in the following 12 months mm-hmm. following a big down market. So that's a potential look yeah. to the plus side. So, um, in fact, the last seven bear markets since 1987. So again, we're going back 35-ish years here, and there have been seven bear markets in there. It's been up more than 40% in the 12 months following. Now that does not mean 2023 is going to be this, you know, amazing, whoa, kind of, you know, great. Oh my goodness, uh, everything's going to shoot straight back up. But it does give a little bit of hope looking forward. Um, and we can also take a look at that historically from other other perspectives in there as well. Right? 2022, that was a, a, a midterm election year. Typically speaking, in a midterm election year, most markets are either flat or down. Obviously, we were down coming into the midterm in 2022. Typically speaking, on that historical basis, the year following the midterms are usually double digits to the plus side. So if you're if you're just making that little column on hash marks, right, of, of things that could be some positive things looking into 2023 in the market side of life, there are a couple of them. Yeah. Right? It's the it's the bounce back from that uh, bear market. It's also the bounce from the uh, post midterm election cycle. Yes, I mean, there's a lot to you know. Maybe look forward to if not even even if you mention not that full rebound. You know, oh my God, it's going to be such a great year, but uh, maybe more of a return to a more of a normalized rate. What right. we more expect? Exactly, exactly. That's uh, you know, I had, was having a, a discussion with a client earlier this week, and his his question was, okay, I'm a year closer to retirement. This was not the best year to get me a year closer to retirement. What is next year going to be? And uh, I, I had to start by apologizing that my uh, crystal ball is currently in the shop. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not exactly working perfectly at uh, this point. But I did give him my RBG on that, which uh, is the technical term for Rick's best guess. And again, Looking at listening to different uh, uh, evaluators, if you will, look listening to those folks whose job it is to take a look at what's going on in the economy overall, 
do some analysis and say these are the things we would typically see as it relates to that. I said I've seen everybody who has said something from, you know, along the lines of, okay, 2023 could be a pretty flat year. We might not see a whole lot of beginning to end movement from, you know, January 1 through December 31. Now, again, volatility is going to be around and there could be a lot of ups and downs through the year, but it could be flat to maybe a 4 or 5% growth year. To I've seen some that have said, no, it could be an 18 to 20% growth year. And, you know, everybody's always got their reasons why in there. And, you know, my, my response to him was, it would not shock me. Mm-hmm. to see that return to a normal 10 to 12% average year, maybe a little up, maybe a little under that. But but I can see, based on things I look at, a normal coming back in for 2023. Yeah, and when you say that, you know, kind of looking at that normal, what, what does normal mean to Rick? Well, you got to understand that I'm really not normal uh, in that, uh, you know, Grand scheme of things, but yeah. you know the folks that know I'm a Cub fan would understand, right? That that there's nothing normal about uh, waiting 108 years for for a championship to happen. However, um, normal in my world, when I would talk about that, is if you looked at the 20, 30, 40 year historical averages. Mm-hmm. What do the S and P? What does the Dow? What does the Nasdaq typically do over that long period of time? Right? What is the average? And again, over the last 30 years, your Dow, your S&P, they're going to average somewhere in that 12% range. The NASDAQ will average a little bit more simply because it's technology heavy. In those last 30 years, we've seen a lot more growth in that technology frame. But but even if you'll recall, as we were talking earlier this year with Bill Smead, he was talking about how technology is probably not in the next few years going to be that driver mm-hmm. of the growth. We're, we're going to probably come back, and we've even seen it a little bit this year, where we're coming back to what you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago were the typical drivers in the economic growth side. We're, we're looking at that discretionary spending by the consumers. We're looking at energy. We're looking at utilities. It's not the stuff that, that everybody's going out there to say, oh, my goodness, look at this. I, I, I bought this stock this week at $100 a share, and it's already $400 a share. That, that, that's the stuff that's not going to happen in 2023. So we're not going to have another GameStop is what you're saying. Uh, not likely to have that uh, next GameStop. Uh, we're also not going to likely see the uh, the the explosion of let's let's say something like a cryptocurrency yeah. because uh, there you know there were some things that happened in that uh, in that market over the year. In fact, there are some well, most actually that are still down from their historic highs that were at the end of 2021, they're still down 70-75% from those historic highs within the last uh, last 54-56 weeks-ish. Uh, but even just on the year, 65-68-70% down. And a lot of times, I will talk to folks and say, you know, if it's a if it's a good quality uh, stock, right? The, that's sixty percent down. Hey, it's been on sale because it's still a, a high quality company. But I think in in watching some of the things with FTX, we're starting to learn that the crypto world is not necessarily full of the high quality kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a shocker. You know, you have an industry where people are 
running away to try and get away from the regulations and the mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. policies and some of the guardrails put on in the uh, traditional finance sector. And then these things start to happen yeah, over lo- there. Lo-, lo and behold, the, the guardrails are kind of there for a reason. There, yeah. there, there's a good reason for some of that regulation. Um, you know, as the company, you may not have loved having all these regulations put on you, but as the investor, as the consumer, those regulations are out there to protect us. Absolutely. You know, it's it's one of those one of those fun things. Um, you know, I, I've talked with folks for years, and you know, it's one of those. Uh, you know, I guess I'll say the ingrained Dave Ramsey philosophies uh, out there. If you don't understand it, if you can't research it and figure it out, then it's not a good thing to invest in. And quite frankly, crypto is one of those things that it's hard to understand. It's hard to figure out what gives it the value other than it's the basics of supply and demand, right? We only have X amount of this cryptocurrency. How much are you willing to pay? What backs it up? Um, well, there's a series of zeros and ones that are showing proof that you've made this transaction, and we can prove that it's a transaction, but we can only prove a certain number of transactions, and that's why we have a scarce uh, amount of whatever it is. And the head starts to spin, and the smoke starts coming out the ears, and that's when you go, yeah, I don't understand. I, I'm not going to actually invest in this sort of stuff. Oh, and people are still mining it, so there could still be some coming up with this certain key and trying to figure it out. Ah, <laughs> uh, exactly, exactly. But you know what? That's the again. That's that big thing, right? It's it, it's our money as the as the investor. It's our money as the consumer. You know, as the individual, it is your money. You want to understand where it is, what it's doing, why it's there, and it's a whole lot easier to understand things like. How much money Walmart brings in, or how mm-hmm. much money Home Depot brings in, then to figure out how somebody decided to create their own token to prop up the value of their own uh, cryptocurrency, and just kind of created a number out of thin air. Yeah. So, well, folks, that is it for this first segment of Money Matters this week. When we come back, we are continuing. With 2022, the year that was, stick around. We will be right back. Does stock market volatility have you wondering which way is up? Do the talking heads and doomsayers have you wondering if this really is the end? If you want straight answers from an advisor who isn't just trying to sell you something, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment today. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Welcome back to Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group. I'm Andrew Rogers along with Rick Stevens. We're continuing to look back at the year that was. And Rick, it seems like the uh, dominant... Story: The dominant financial headline, at least from 2022, was the Fed and their continued policy of interest rate hikes. And let's talk a little bit about why that was necessary and kind of where it's leading to now and when we might actually see the end of it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely, Andrew. You know, it's it's one of those fun little things in there that 
you know, oftentimes in, uh, especially in the financial media, they like to tell us about these, you know, $10 words and, and you know, it's this, that, and the other, and, and they throw out these, you know, 15 syllable things when really what it comes down to is basic economics 101, okay. right? It's, it's basic supply and demand. And, and when we see the concept of inflation, right, if you, if you just think about it from that perspective of a balloon, right, you're putting more air in, the balloon gets bigger, right, that's inflation. It's really all about getting a bigger price, if you will, for, for whatever you're buying, right? It's, it's that price that is going up and two ways about that. There's the supply side and there's the demand side. Right? If I have the ability to create, uh, let's say, 500 of whatever this product is or this item is that, that, that people could want, and I put 500 of them out there on the market, mm-hmm. people are going to say, well, I'm willing to pay X dollars. All right, terrific. That's how much for 500. But if I see that's a pretty good price for 500, I might say, you know what? As the creator of this, I'm actually going to build a few more because I want to sell some more of that. So I've increased the supply. And on the supply side, when I've increased the supply, I've increased the amount of something available. The price typically goes down because the last guy who said, I'll buy it for $10, well, that 500 first guy might say, you know what, I'll actually pay $9.50 for that. And in order for me to actually sell what I'm wanting, the price has got to go down. The flip side of that is true. If I have 500 of these I could sell, but I'm only bringing 400 to the market, well, folks are going to pay more for that 400th one because, hey, this is the last one. There's scarcity that has happened, and I I need that, right? So the price is going to go up. Some of what we saw in 2022 in terms of the scarcity of goods had to deal with things that were, quite frankly, still COVID-related from 2020 and 2021 on the manufacturing side of things, on the being able to ship side of things and, and get those goods from you know point A to point B, whether that was the imports coming into the country or whether it was uh, stuff as, as simple as, you know what, we don't have as many people working in this particular industry, so we haven't been able to produce as much. So we can't get as much out there. Then you get the demand side where we had from you know 2020 and in 2021, the government just dumping literally trillions of dollars into Americans' pockets, but we didn't have anything to go spend it on. So what we did is we basically bid up the price uh, because there was much more demand for these goods that were in short supply. Prices go up. And when we measure inflation, we measure it year over year. So in 2021, when prices were still down, well, 2022, we started demanding more of these goods, more of these uh, sort of things, and the prices went up for them. And and then you get then you get the Federal Reserve stepping in to say, well, the one thing we think we can control is how easy people can get money. Mm-hmm. And when you raise the price of money, which is the interest rate, when we raise that price, and again, the Fed doesn't necessarily raise the rate for the bank lending money to me. 
The Fed rate is actually how banks lend money to one another, but that serves as a basis for then how banks will lend money to, to us as consumers. Those rates go up, cause cost more to lend money between banks, so they're going to charge consumers more, making the money more expensive, meaning fewer people willing to borrow the money. That's what the Fed has tried to do with their raising of rates uh, several times over the past year. And and even, you know, giving a little look into 2023, the expectation is there will probably be a couple of more rate hikes until the Fed rate gets to that five, five and a quarter, probably not above five and a half. But we're already fairly close. You know, we're, we're within about three quarters of a percent of being at what most folks think the high end of that that Fed interest rate is going to be. Yeah, and is it normal to see a year with five, six, seven interest rate hikes kind of every time the Fed meets that it goes up? Uh, no, very abnormal. So again, back to 2022 being that year of where did this come from? Uh, that's, that's one of those other pieces that we don't typically see. Uh, we typically see, you know, maybe, maybe, Historically speaking, two or three hikes in a year, oftentimes those hikes, one of them might be half a percent. Typically, it's a quarter of a percent. The thing we almost never see, unless they are doing some very, very heavy-handed tightening on the money supply, are those half a percent or three-quarters of a percent rate hikes and again, that kind of adds into when when the, the Fed governors meet and they come out with, hey, this is what we're going to do. And it's not within those boundaries of quote unquote normal. And I know we talked about this on, on previous shows. The market likes predictability. Mm-hmm. They like what's normal. They, they like to be able to go, okay, I see this coming down the pike in the next six months, in the next 12 months, in the next 18 months. But when the Fed becomes a little unpredictable, that's when we see, very similarly to what we saw this year in markets, both from the equity side and from the bond side as well, where markets just, I I, I won't use the term implode because that's actually a a big, ugly, nasty term, and they didn't implode. Mm -hmm. It was a slow and steady drop over the course of the year with a few spikes up here and there. So it wasn't, you know, a fall off the cliff per se. It's been that slow, steady march toward the bottom, but that's a result of some, I'll call it some overzealousness by the Federal Reserve and and how they've messed with our money supply. Absolutely. And then um, with that too, there's a lot of talk about another one of those big, long 15-point words that you mentioned recession and is this kind of the thing is are they trying to trigger a recession to cure inflation well you know it's it's an interesting term recession because in 2022 we saw the word recession redefined more than once uh typically speaking from the i guess i can now call it the old school definition of recession uh, that is consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth. So negative production or production slowing down within the U.S. as a whole. And we already saw that in 2022. But nobody wanted to use the R word, right? Because they were afraid that would panic everybody. Oh, my goodness, it's terrible. It's horrible. It's the, the whole world is going to collapse. Okay, thank you very much, Chicken Little. 
The reality is recessions are a normal part of a business cycle that, that in order for, uh, for lack of a better term, for some of the uh, superfluous companies to either get better or go away, mm-hmm. you've got to have that contraction in, in the economy. You've got to have a contraction in the business cycle because that's what makes us more efficient when we continue to grow afterwards, right? there, we, We've never seen throughout history a recession that comes on and stays, period. Yeah. Right? There, there, there's typically a length of time. Uh, the average, quote-unquote, average recession is about 15 months. But if you start to look at that to go, okay, we had back-to-back negative quarters in quarter one and quarter two of, of 2022, we're actually more than halfway through what a normal recession would be, even if nobody wants to say yeah. the word. Because the job pictures were different. And right. It's Yeah, again, it's that moving target. And what you're describing, too, is uh, it's almost like the economy can also be looked at as like an almost living organism that needs to breathe and have those ebbs and flows to exactly. maintain some kind of normality. Yep, exactly. You know, there there are cycles for a reason when when we look at things, whether you're looking at things in nature, right? You know, you've got spring and summer and winter and fall, and, and that's a cycle in a year. Uh, business cycles very similar, right? You've got the you've got the expansion, right? The growth, the 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 new coming out. You get to the point where, okay, this is as big as this current economy is going to get. To we start to pull back and contract till you hit the trough. The trough means, hey, we're going to come back and, and start growing again. And from a market perspective, again, that market is that forward-looking vehicle. It's actually going, okay, we think in the next 6, 12, 18 months, the recession is going to happen. So what you see in 2022 is oftentimes looked at as the precursor to an actual economic recession. And the crazy thing is typically during an economic recession, that market is going to six, 12 months prior to the end, it's actually going to be growing because it's looking forward to say, hey, six months from now, this is actually going to be really great. So when we start to see that month over month growth in the markets, that's again, a good forward-looking indicator recession is getting close to being done. Well, wait a minute. And again, this is something that I think a lot of people maybe have misconceptions about is you're saying that, you know, the market's starting to see a little bit of growth being that future indicator. So the market's not the economy. Correct. Correct. And and all too many times, especially if you're talking about uh, in the, the, the financial news, you know, national hit my buzzer ring this bell sort of a thing where where we like to to make noise and and sell advertising they are going to go oh my goodness look at how terrible the market is and that means the economy is blah 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 it's it's actually the opposite uh the 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 market that is pulling back is that forward looking sort of thing it's not what's going on necessarily in the economy today uh, oftentimes, it while there might be some news that comes out that it responds to, whether that's positive or negative, for the most part, it's forward-looking. It's not what is the current state of the economy. It's very much more in line with what do we think is coming down that pike, which, you know, in the last bear market that we saw, more than 10 years, which is much longer, bull market, excuse me, much longer than we typically see in any growth rotation if you will in the uh 
in those markets, it was because there was this consistent rosy outlook moving forward in the economy. So how long do these cycles typically last? Uh, good ballpark number is that seven to eight year cycle. Okay. And, and historically speaking, it's, it's about every seven to eight years that, that you actually see the, the downturn, that bear market, if you will. Uh, and the reason it's called a bear market is because a bear, and it's going to be wild and crazy here, a bear, when it strikes at something, right, when it strikes at prey, it lifts the paw up and it swings down. Versus a bull, bull markets are the ones going up. When a bull strikes at something, it dips its head down and lifts up. So that's actually where the bear and the bull came from. But typically speaking, that bull market is about six to seven years, and the bear market is typically a year to a year and a half. And that's where you get that roughly seven-year cycle in there. Yeah. And, you know, there's another thing that happens about every seven, eight years, sometimes two, but definitely on those same kind of cycles that I know the market's really have been looking forward to that we'll talk about in our next segment as far as what happened in 2022 and what that could mean moving ahead. Stick around, everybody. We will be right back. Money affects each of us in different ways. Sometimes it's a source of stress and fear. Sometimes it's a source of comfort and security. Whatever your perspective, it's always good to get a second set of eyes on your finances to help serve as a guide. If you are looking for that guidance, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary appointment. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Well, folks, thanks for sticking around through that break. Rick Stevens here in studio with Andrew Rogers. This is Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group. We are taking that look back at 2022, the year that was, the uh, the craziness that happened through markets. We, we've talked a little bit about uh, the Fed. And, uh, Andrew, there's there's still some stuff we get to cover here because 2022 wasn't just a one or two things that happened, were they? No, it was uh, it was a, a cornucopia, if you will, of uh, <laughs> good word, good to word. talk about. Yeah. I don't know. I might have gone with Pandora's box with some of it. Well, but, I, uh, <laughs> it, it's still spilling out. Yes, yes, yes. Very true on that. You know, one of the uh, one of the things that as we have walked through, and, and sometimes it felt like we were slogging through uh, 2022, uh, that that really kind of messed with some things, and and we saw some public sentiment adjust from where it had been just a couple of years before. What was in that uh, in that election cycle that uh, we just had, and as you were. We're talking about this earlier. When you look at economic cycles being in that seven to eight year time frame, there are some other cycles that fall in that seven to eight year time frame as well. Yeah, you know, we just had that midterm. And again, as we talked about too, the markets are always looking forward. Finally, the uh, dust has settled with a lot of the uh, midterm results. And, uh, there was a lot of that fear, a lot of that uncertainty when it comes to the markets, and that's kind of turning out to maybe not be the case and could almost be the best, at least financial option possible. 
Yeah, you know, the uh, the, the crazy thing when, when we get to what markets like in terms of who is in charge of the Senate, who's in charge of the House, who who is elected president, right? What party is, quote unquote, in control of things is that markets actually kind of like the, the concept that we would call today gridlock. They, they don't prefer one party over another in terms of how they respond. What they actually like are discussions happening, not one singular agenda being pushed, whether that is on the right side of the political spectrum or the left. They, they like to know that there's going to be less regulation, but not the wild, wild west sort of, sort of a thing. The markets also like to be able to say, okay, everything that, that, that could happen is not going to now because there's going to be some balance going on. We, we don't have a, a single party in control. And, and markets actually respond very positively when you have mixed representation in Congress, in the Senate, and, and, and in the White House. Yeah, and it's something, too, you know, that they don't like that uncertainty of having all control in one party and being able to kind of force through things real quick or on a whim without kind of having that uh, pre-warning almost. Exactly, exactly. You know, the, the, the markets as a whole, they do love predictability. They, they do love to be able to look out and go, you know, we can see in the next year that, tax changes could be made to X, Y, and Z. Um, Or the changes that were made four and five years ago that were temporary, that are getting close to a sunset period, uh, for those that are out there that are going, oh, yes, there was some change made into the income tax side of things. It's getting close to those tax changes reverting to what the, the old taxes were. And there's a very strong likelihood that because we have separate parties in control of both the House and the Senate, those tax changes will be made temporarily permanent. And, and I say temporarily permanent because it's it's permanent until they make another change in something. So it's permanent for now sort of thing. Yeah, one of those definitely, you know, definitely maybes. Yes, Yes, my uh, my my favorite uh, favorite piece, right? With uh, uh, with Evan, every time uh, he's on from Steiners and Dayhaus is it depends, right? That's the perfect uh, legal answer to everything. And well, are the tax laws going to change? It depends. They're permanent for now until we re-permanent something else yeah. in there. <laughs> and of course, you know, we saw you know not just that, but there are some of those policies that are going to go into effect here in the new year. But uh, really, we didn't see that much as far as big-time policy shift or throughout the course of 22, or am I just kind of overlooking something because we've had so many things to talk about? <laughs> well, you know, we, we haven't seen a lot of big policy, big policy shift happen um, simply because 2022 being a midterm election year, a lot of time was actually spent being out campaigning, not as much time being spent on the legislating part of things. Uh, but but there are some things that are likely coming probably between now and, you know, early January uh, with that. One of those things we'll talk about uh, probably within the next couple of weeks is this thing called the Secure Act 2.0. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original Secure Act 
passed in December of uh, 2019. It changed things like when you had to take your RMD, your required minimum distribution. It moved that age from 70 and a half up to age 72. Um, it changed how a non-spouse who inherits a retirement account has to empty that account, whether that's a Roth IRA, a 401k, traditional IRA, whatever. Uh, you used to be able to do what we would call a stretch IRA, which would mean, for example, if my dad passed away and I was the beneficiary on his retirement account, I could actually decline that, have my kids be the beneficiaries, and now instead of having to take the distributions over what you would call over the course of my lifetime, they could actually be taken over the course of my kids, and that IRA distribution could be stretched from you know, what they would have calculated of 40 years for me to 60 to 70 years for my kids. Well, in the original SECURE Act passed in 19, that got knocked down to the money's got to be out of that account within 10 years if you are a non-spouse. So you had to take that money out in 10 years, and, and that had some major implications, right? So if somebody is a non-spouse and inherited a million-dollar retirement account, they just increase their income by $100,000 a year, which probably moves them up a tax bracket and maybe even two at that point. Yeah. So, so some of those things are, are looking at being addressed in the new SECURE Act, SECURE Act 2.0. Another piece of that is one of the things that they are looking at addressing is that required minimum distribution age. They're looking at moving that up to age 75. And they also taking a look at it because it had previously been 70 and a half, and the math was basically done to by age 87, you would be out of money. The idea with Secure Act 2.0 is that people are living longer, so we don't want to run them out of their money at 87. We'll push this to age 75 to let them start taking it earlier. And maybe move that ending age that we're shooting for at closer to 95 to 97. Yeah, there's a lot to keep up with on that. Uh, yeah, quite a bit. And, uh, you know, it has not uh, been passed fully at this point. Uh, we're still, I think, at this point waiting on the president's signature on it, which, again, is kind of expected in the next week or two weeks to to happen when that happens, we will actually do a full Money Matters show on what's in Secure Act 2.0, what that means to you, what changes uh, you, you may need to be thinking about when it comes to that retirement planning, financial planning aspect of things. We'll take a deep dive, if you will. Yes, yes. Or, or at least as deep as we can get and, and not use all of their legalese. We'll, we'll actually talk about it. Like normal people, because that comes in handy, I think, most most times. Absolutely. You know, we talked uh, about Congress, the midterms. We talked a little bit about this. We also know that there's been some big global headlines as well that's really kind of uh, continuing to 
play with the economy, play with a, a lot of things impacting our money right now. And of course, it all started with uh, Russia and Ukraine. And we're still feeling that as far as the uh, continued aid package, which would yes. maybe lead to some of that inflation. If you leave that hole, if you just keep sending money somewhere, if whether it's the American people or Volodymyr Zelensky, probably going to inflate an economy right. giving out that money or even the food supply. Right. You know, there, there are a number of different pieces that, that really come out of that. And yes, it is the cost of sending aid uh, elsewhere in the, in the world. It is the, the cost worldwide because, you know, remember, even though uh, the U.S. exports a great deal of our crops, we're not the only exporter mm-hmm. on the planet. And, and because of that, because Ukraine was a very big exporter of crops, that reduction, right, back to that basics of supply and demand, that reduction in supply raised the prices worldwide. Similar sort of thing has happened in that supply side in the uh, the the energy market as well, yeah. right? Because Ukraine supplies a massive amount of oil and natural gas. But supply lines have been stopped, right? Russia stopped supplying uh, Europe. Europe's trying to figure out what are we going to do for all of these sorts of things, and that raises the price. You also get things, uh, you know, we've recently had the the issues in China closing things down because of their zero COVID policy that they've decided to implement. And again, I'm not sure if that means there is none or we're not going to report on any of it. Um, cause you know, when's the last time you could believe something that, that, that was said from China, but the idea is now that China is opening themselves back up, that means there's going to be more consumption of things that are based on crude oil. So if you followed what's happened to the price of crude oil in the last couple of weeks, we saw a dip. Now we're starting to see that price come back up again, because now we're starting to generate a little more demand. Yeah, and it's definitely something, you know, it's that key piece that we see, depending on, you know, what you drive, you know, every week, two weeks, is uh, that fluctuating of gas prices where we were teetering around uh, some, you know, almost record highs there for a little bit over right. the summer. Right. You know, if you if you think back, uh, just quite frankly, even a few months, it was almost twice the price that it is now. Um, you know, as I'd kind of drive around town and, and I do put a lot of miles on my vehicle, and I, I, I keep some gas companies in business, I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, because when you drive a pickup truck that gets 13 miles to the gallon, you need a lot more gallons. Um, as I drive around town, I see things that are in that 239, 245, 249 range. And it wasn't that long ago that we were close to $5 a gallon on, on some of that. Yeah. And, you know, there's other things, too, that we're seeing that, you know, really do affect that every day and even you know now eggs yes are either you are paying twice as much now for eggs or they're simply not available and largely due to that uh, outbreak of avian flu well so in in colorado we actually have two pieces mm-hmm. to that one there is the avian flu issue uh number two is that starting january 1 stores can only sell cage free eggs Starting January 1. Now, they get some grace period to be able to get rid of their current inventories of non-cage-free. But that's also going to start driving that price back up because it's more expensive to raise cage-free chickens and to gather the eggs from the cage-free chickens 
than it is to have, for lack of a better term, all of your producers sitting in a particular spot, being able to, you know, produce and have their production gathered very quickly and efficiently. Now there are some changes coming down the pike, and I think Colorado is one of, uh, it's like 13 or 14 states that you can only purchase cage-free eggs. So the the price is going to go up. There's going to be a shortage, and uh, you know, supply and demand rears its ugly head again. Crazy, it is. Well, folks, that's it for this segment on Money Matters. When we come back, we are going to try, attempt to wrap up and put a bow on 2022, the year that was. Stick around. We'll be right back. Are you worried about what's been going on in the markets and how it has affected your portfolio? Maybe you need a financial checkup. If you have questions about the health of your financial future, call FRS Financial Group at 719-500-8700 to schedule your complimentary checkup. And remember to tune into Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group here on KRDO, Saturday mornings at 9 and Sunday at noon. Products and services offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Well, folks, thanks for sticking around with us through that break. Rick Stevens here with Andrew Rogers. This is Money Matters presented by FRS Financial Group. And we are putting a bow uh, not only on this week's show, Andrew, but on 2023 as a whole. And, and 2022? I mean, don't get ahead of ourselves. Okay, I mean, okay. a little wishful thinking. Well, you know what? I, I'm like the markets. I think 12 months in advance. All right. <laughs> uh, but but we are putting that bow on on this year. But there's some things to to kind of uh, whet the appetite, if you will, yeah, for for that year coming out in front of us. There there are some some folks in the the industry that that have some thoughts that that I think are worthy of talking about a little bit. Yeah, there's a lot of I know at least from my side more of that consumer side, not you know the expert working in it day in and day out, just uh, you know talking about it, having to find the questions to ask the experts about it is. Uh, I mean, I guess the one thing that I I think a lot of people are going to ask is this inflation. Does it end in 23 or are we looking to uh, continue on on the same pace? Well, you know, the the interesting thing as we look at inflation, the the first part is that inflation is not a multi-year look. It's a year-over-year look at things. So the inflation we saw in 2022 – happened from you know October of 21 through October of 22 or November of 21 to November of 22 or April of 21 to April of 22. And we saw this massive inflation happen in the last year. Part of that is because we had two to three years where there was little to no inflation in that time frame. Mm-hmm. You know, we were paying the same price in 2019 and 2020 and 2021. Well, three years of prices that are flat, you're probably going to have to raise prices because there's a likelihood that your costs have gone up. And and from the business side of things, if my costs have gone up, I'm going to have to start charging more because I'm still trying to make some kind of a profit margin mm-hmm. on there because I have that, uh, that, that uh, uh, well, for lack of a better term, that obligation to my shareholders, right, to my yeah. owners to to make money. And that's one of the things that we see year over year with that large inflation growth in 22. But we couple that with 
because we got that big jump up in prices in 22, and we're already starting to see it now, when we saw the November of 2022 inflation numbers come way down, uh, when we when we look at those numbers, it went from, and I don't have them right in front of me, but it went from something like 7% from uh, October to 4% in November. Okay. And there are a lot of folks going, oh, look at how much it came back. Well, it's a year-over-year look, and November of 21 is when we started to see the prices come up. So from 21 to November of 22, you would expect a smaller increase. And over the next 12 months, right, in through 2023, we'll still see some increase because that's normal. That's Mm -hmm. part of a growing economy is when prices can go up because people can continue to afford that. And, And quite frankly, one of the reasons folks can continue to afford to pay a little bit more is moving away from the government infused all of this money to we actually have a pretty low um, unemployment rate and wages have gone up. So people are earning more, so they have more to be able to spend. We're going to see through 2023 us getting away from that 8% inflation rate back closer to probably four and a half to five in 23. And then you move it further, even down the road into 24 back into what the normal, right? Two to Mm -hmm. 3% is going to be at that point in time. So that's one thing to look forward to, as you mentioned, you know, you were kind of consulting with some of the other experts, some of the other, you know, chief financial nerds, if you will. Yes. Uh, Yes. What, what, what is the other, you know, kind of outlook? What can we expect uh, maybe looking into 23? You know, one of the one of the things, um, and this is actually one of the pluses of inflation. Okay. okay, this is this is one of those things that we don't necessarily hear about a lot. But one of the pluses of inflation is that the value of the dollar has gone up this year, right? The value of that dollar compared to other currencies worldwide, and when we have a very strong dollar. That's very indicative of a very strong U.S. economy as it is compared to the rest of the world. And when we are, as a country, one of those global leaders economically, that means good things not only at home but abroad as well. So that's one of those big pluses to to kind of look forward to in 2023 is we're probably going to see a bit fewer imports, more things being exported from the U.S. Uh, we're, we're going to see uh, as, as an economy, more folks come back into those manufacturing jobs, those manufacturing jobs paying more money, which ultimately puts more money into the pockets of that typical consumer. Yeah, it's good. And again, you know, we mentioned earlier, you know, some of those global factors going on. So it is really positive to see that we have uh, – kind of stood out as far as, you know, we've all gone through this. It seems like almost every major economy has had some form of issue over 22, but we've still come out kind of, uh, for lack of better term, that gold standard. Yeah, absolutely. And especially if you look at, um, and if you just want to compare kind of markets to markets, if you will, not even economies to economies, and you look at the European stock market, or you look at uh, the, the markets in Asia Pacific, for example, whether that's South Korea, uh, whether that is Japan, you're going to see that as a whole, 
U.S. markets have outperformed their international counterparts. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that is because, yes, we've got some crazy going on, but we don't have the same kind of crazy because our economy is much stronger and has a brighter outlook as we are looking at 2023-2024. Yeah, I mean, look at what Liz trusted to the English economy in what, this span of Three weeks. As I, I was going to give her six days, but three weeks I think is the right length of time um, in there. But it was, it was awfully fast. Well, we know it was definitely shorter than a cabbage would be left out on a shelf. Oh, that's very true. That's very true. You know, it's it, it's crazy that you could have one person, and I'll put it in quotes, in charge, mm-hmm. and, and have such drastic things happen both. Uh, in in stock markets, in uh, the economy as a whole. And thankfully, that's not the way we're built here, right? There's not just a singular decision. And and now that we're through the midterms, we're getting into 2023. That first week in January is when the new Congress and the new Senate get sworn in. And again, our, our economy, our markets love having that mixed power in there. Yeah, so what you're saying is despite uh, 2022 when we all probably look back saying, oh, that was a a rough one, like we kind of got, you know, just made it through that, there's more positives really to take out of it than we realize and much more of a better spot than uh, we could have been in. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we we look at interest rates uh, as example, right? To go, oh my goodness, the interest rates have gone up, so mortgages are much more expensive, so there's a, there's a lot fewer people out there buying houses, but we just came through a time where because of the, again, coming back to that supply and demand, where there were so many people out to buy houses, it shot the price through the roof, pricing a lot of people out of that housing market. Well, now that demand starts to slow. And that doesn't mean that your homes are going down in value. And we'll talk about this more on a uh, future Money Matters episode when we've got our uh, mortgage guy in here to to do that. But what it has done is it has slowed that exponential cost increase yeah. in that world. Yeah, I was talking with a, a friend of mine who's in the real estate industry, and he kind of likened it to driving on I-25, the you know, we were going down I-25 at 100, 120 miles an hour for so long that we needed to at least, you know, hit the brakes a little bit. Get back to more of a reasonable speed. Yes. It's, it's not like we're crawling. We're not like, you know, going 10, 15 miles an hour. We're still going at a good clip, but we're not going as kind of crazy fast as, you know, we once were. Exactly. Exactly. And the flip side of that uh, as well as we are now seeing the bond market start to kind of pivot a little bit from the values dropping, 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 dropping. And and 2022 is one of those anomalous years, if you will, where both the stock and the bond markets were down. And it's the only time they've both been down double digits, which is one of those, you know, never thought it would happen in my lifetime, like my Cubs winning the World Series. This has happened in my lifetime now as well. The flip side of that is in some of those shorter-term investments where you used to see in either a short duration or an ultra-short duration, something that may have been 1% or 2%, now you're seeing things in that 3% and 4% range 
on the short side. You used to have to have to get longer duration, right? You used to have to have those three years, five years, ten years in the bond world to to get that three or four percent. And now we see it in that shorter duration, which again, from that from that positive side that we can pull out with the increased inflation, with the increase in rates, there are some pluses that we're starting to see now. Yeah. And also, uh, when you look at those uh, those saving rates alone, being able to see that beforehand, you know, the idea of your savings account having some kind of percentage was laughable knowing how you know, low the baseline rate was. You got you got your nickel on the thousand dollars that you had in there for now the year. Now we're you know now those rates are going up and up and up. It's affecting that as well. So you know that's also a small positive. Yep, it is. And again, when we go back to the Fed raising raising rates, banks then in turn raising rates from being you know higher for each other to now higher for consumers. It is one of those pieces that tries to encourage some of that saving, right? Because we've made not only the cost of money higher, but we've also increased that incentive to to not spend it mm-hmm. right now. If you've got it, just leave it sit, let it grow a little bit. And the key to that is a little bit because, you know, even inflation at 8%, you know, interest growing it at 2 you're still behind the interest or behind the inflation curve with that. Um, but you're encouraging folks to not go spend nearly as much. Yeah, so it's definitely a multi-key piece. And again, it's not just controlled by one person over on the East Coast right? who has either a key or a button that uh, just kind of fixes this all. It's going to take a little bit of time no matter what to kind of normalize and kind of get back to what we would expect to be more than normal compared to the craziness we've not only seen in 22 but really since 2019 really really exactly and you know it's, it's kind of like folks when i'm when i tell folks you know it's it's four-wheel drive it's not four-wheel stop we have sort of that four-wheel drive economy right you don't jam on the brakes and stop instantly uh if you're if you're in four-wheel drive for a reason that reason is probably because there's something crazy going on weather-wise the roads are a bit slick uh, we're, we we got hit with some winter weather last week. We're going to get a little bit more this week, probably a little bit more the week after because it's winter and it's four-wheel drive, not four-wheel stop. So you hit the brakes, you slide a bit, but even after you slide, you can't just get back and go with the four-wheel. It takes a little bit to get it going back and getting you in the right direction. And that's what we saw from 19 through, quite frankly, 22 was we hit the brakes we skidded a little bit. We didn't entirely crash. We didn't flip over the four-wheel drive vehicle. We skidded a little bit, and now we're trying to get the traction to get it back moving. Absolutely. And, of course, getting that back moving, it's going to take a little bit of time. But also, uh, as we approach the new year, maybe people have questions about what to be doing, what to make sure that they're kind of getting started on the right foot. If they want that uh, kind of guidance, you know, maybe – get a game plan going, what's the best way to get a hold of you, Rick? Uh, you know what? The best way to uh, get in touch with us, give us a call, 719-500-8700. They can also shoot an email, rstevens at frsfinancialgroup.com. Or we've got a number of folks that will just go to the website, hit that contact tab. It'll actually say, hey, I want to sit down, talk about XYZ. That sends the email to us directly. We'll, uh, we'll give folks a call and, and get them on the schedule because January comes quickly. December comes even quicker, I promise. 
Yeah, so it's one of those things you got to get that plan going now because they do come quick. But as we talked about on the uh, Christmas episode, they do come every year right around the same time. So it's time to start planning. Yes, yes, indeed. Well, folks, that's all the time we've got for this episode of Money Matters. We will invite you to tune in again next week. We will be continuing to talk about your money because your money matters. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.